0: gospel this morning, the first to the 14th verses, and I must confess to you, I don't have my screen on up here, so I wasn't ready for this, now I'm ready. Um, No, no, we're good, you'll have to move the slides for me, that's all. Um, Many don't think of John 1 being a nativity, and it's not, but it is John's way of telling us Um, about the coming of Christ, and it's actually the lectionary reading for this Sunday, so that is what I'm going to read to you. We will not go verse by verse, but we will talk about what John, the gospel writer, has to say to us. And so it goes like this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. May the Lord add his blessing this Christmas morning to his word. My daughter Rachel has gotten into this whole 23andMe or Ancestry.com, whatever it is, my whole life, I've been told that we had a little bit of Scottish and that we were Scottish, and us, uh, uh, Rachel confirmed that. I never believed it. I didn't know what I was, but I was pretty sure that wasn't that. All that to say to you that my grandson this morning uh, opened up a kilt. Yeah, and he's wearing a kilt on Christmas morning. The seven-year-old Scotsman, and uh, I, I texted him and told him to beam me up, Scotty. But anyway. Um, If you have kids, you know that they get into different things. You know they're they're and and they are different. Even if you have twins, they can be different. And no matter how many you have, they will never be two of a kind. I sat this morning before you told me your mom was sick, and I thought she would be so happy to hear you three singing because I could hear three distinct voices over here, and I think she would be happy (laughs) to know that her three were singing. But my point is, with my four, I approach them all in a different way. Um, if I'm going to sit down and have breakfast with one, the approach will be different than with the next one. Because they each are different. They, they, they come at life with a different perspective, and a couple of them are as different as night and day, and yet they love each other all day long. It's just you got to go at it differently. The gospel writers come at us differently Matthew was looking at Jewish people Matthew is looking at Jesus as his coming as the king of the Jews Matthew is going to talk to us a whole lot about obedience and about worship whereas Luke on the other hand wants to bring us a savior that's kind of like a human being a a, a gentle kind of a, a, a king who is going to bring good tidings to the poor, who's going to liberate the prisoner, who's going to do all the the good things for the people that have been neglected or left out. Luke is not speaking to Jewish people. Luke is speaking to the Gentiles, and he's speaking to people who are on uh, on the fringes, if you would. Mark, he really doesn't give us a good nativity, presents Jesus as the Lord in secret, He's going to show a new way. He's going to show a fight from Roman rule. He's going to show a fight, if you would, from anything that oppresses generally. But we didn't read any of them today. We read John. And John comes and tells us that Jesus quite simply is God. He's God come in the flesh, but he is also God's Word. It's very important because you'll remember how the Bible starts. The Bible starts, in the beginning, God. It starts with words. And the New Testament starts, in the beginning was the word. And so John comes along and wants us to see that this word come in the flesh is shooting for all of us. It's interesting, John's written, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke use a little bit of, I guess, what you would call uppity Greek. Their language is up here. John is in the street. I didn't say in the gutter. I said in the street. John walked the neighborhood. He knew who he was addressing. And ultimately, he's talking to you and me. And the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, did he reach us? Can we relate to what John says to us? Can it be real for us? Real enough that we believe the story? Real enough that we would place our faith and our trust in it. How many of you are glad that Christmas is here? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I have gone through Advent wanting Christmas to get by me. That may not make any sense to you whatsoever, but rarely have I been this way. But this year, I just wanted this day to get here. I want tomorrow, in fact to come. Nothing against Christmas, not knocking any of it. It's just this year that's how I anticipated it. I wanted to get into the the story of the gospel as opposed to just the birth. Many people will come to Christmas with expectations. Uh, the candle represents for us, you know, hope, joy, love, faith, peace. All those things and we come to Christmas with a desire, if you would, for those things to be go home and turn on your TV today, you'll find that it may not live up to your expectations. You may have gotten the Christmas you didn't expect. You might have gotten the gift you really didn't want. Did you ever wonder, did Mary and Joseph get what they expected? Did Mary and Joseph get what they wanted? This first Christmas for either of them, was not the way it was supposed to be. That representation up there of a baby in a manger, just that whole story itself, is not the way I think Mary would have wrote it. And I wonder if really, the story of Christ's coming that we told last night here on Christmas Eve, that Diana Ailey told last night on Christmas Eve, I wonder if it's really what we would ask for if we had the ability to ask God. Because you see, God often gives us not what we want, but what we need. And I think what the gospel writers are telling us today is, I'm going to give you what you need. You ever think about when that angel came to Joseph? What did the angel say in Matthew 121? He said, Joseph, Mary's going to bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sin. You see, that's what we need. I don't think Joseph expected that. Jesus, give him the name Joshua. Give him that name Joshua. Let him be a deliverer. But why does he have to deliver us from sins? I'll tell you why. This is a piece of our lives that we can't fix ourselves. This is a piece of our lives that the harder we try, the worse it gets. He'll be the Savior for the one piece of us that we can't fix ourselves. And that means that you have to go beyond that and get to the cross, doesn't it? The real reason why Jesus came. Do you ever notice that some gifts take a long time to appreciate? That some gifts don't make sense to weigh on down the highway. I sat down... The other night, with a bag of money, <laughs> your pastor sat down with a bag of money. What's that about? When I was a kid, my grandmother gave me this this bag of money. Actually, I'll, I should be a little bit more specific. It's a bag of buffalo nickels. She actually gave me an entire bank, and I went through it and sorted out the wheat pennies, the buffalo nickels, and I kept all the silver and the buffalo nickels in one of those old bank bags with the drawstrings. And I haven't opened it up forever. In fact, it was in Florida with my mother before she died, and I went down and got it. She gave it to me finally. But I opened it up and went through those nickels the other night, and I'm looking through those dimes. And the reason it makes sense now, you see, I'm 60, is because I got that bag and that bank and those nickels and those dimes and those quarters and a couple of silver dollars because I was named after my uncle who didn't live past the age of 27. And my grandmother said, this will be his. And all these years later, as I'm 60 years old, there's something special about that. I, I lived with my grandmother for a number of years, and there's something special about that gift. And I was thinking to myself, now, when, when I go, what happens to that? Which of my four or does it get divided? What happens with that? Because it's not going to mean the same thing to them that it means to me. You can't appreciate some gifts till you get to the purpose. Christ is born of Mary. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Go tell it on the mountain, but it doesn't make sense till Jesus gets atop cross, the cross of Calvary that you figure it out. Because the sinless life born in a manger died upon a cross, still a sinless life. And all the hope and joy that Christmas Uh, brings to us this day, it's actually fulfilled on Good Friday. God could have sent an emissary, and for some of you, you may think he did. You may think that Jesus is an emissary, and you got theology wrong. Jesus is the Trinity. He's part of God. He came. You see, God didn't choose to send someone else. God chose to come himself. And I wonder then if that isn't why John doesn't give us that nativity like Luke and Matthew do. I I wonder if John's not trying to tell us what God's really like. In the beginning was the Word. Now I've got to tell you something about John. Remember he's the one that Jesus loved. Remember when they're at the supper he's got his head on Jesus' shoulder. You know when the rest of them are all gone? Do you know who's still living? John. John's still writing. You'll remember he went out on that Isle of Patmos. But many years down the line, John wrote this. It's another first verse of a first letter, 1 John the Epistle. And it says this about Christ. Listen close. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which we've touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Now I want to stop for a minute. When you read that which was from the beginning, you automatically go back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That isn't at all what John was made in. Listen again to what John said. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we touched with our hands concerning the word of life, John's going back to a relationship. John is going back to the beginning of his relationship to Jesus. And he's saying, remember, this was our experience. We heard him speak. We saw him with our own eyes. We looked at him and we touched him with our hands. This word of life which we met, if you're Mary, when he was in your womb, if you're Joseph on that Christmas morn, or if you're Peter or John or one of the rest of them, when you were out there fishing and he came along and said, take up your cross and follow me. Can I tell you something? John's an old man writing these words. But John never lost the expectancy, his own personal advent that Christ was going to return. He's not talking about the Jesus that's been here from eternity to eternity. He's talking about the Jesus that he heard, that he saw that he looked at, that he touched. He goes on to say in that epistle, 1 John 1, the second verse, that life was made manifest. And we've seen it. And we testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father was made manifest to us. John's saying something pretty unique here. The only person that's ever been with God was with us. Listen again, that life which was with the Father was made manifest to us, God with us. And so John says that which we've seen, which we've heard, we proclaim to you so that you too can have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. Did you catch where John got to? John got to this. Jesus is all about relationship. (laughs) Jesus is all about fellowship with the Father and fellowship with each other. That's why he'd say later in this letter stuff like this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You know what that means? it means what you and I do matters it it means the way we live matters because God is love it begins here in a manger it begins there on a cross John is saying to us that God is love and if we know him We'll love like he did. Philip one time came to Jesus and said to him, show us the Father. Jesus said, have I been this long with you and you still don't know me? If you've seen me, you've already seen the Father. Let me ask you something. How long have you been going to church? When people look at you, What do they see? Jesus said, if you're looking at me, you're looking at him. And I suppose that ought to work this way. If you're looking at us, are you with me? If you're looking at us, you ought to be looking at him. Because God is love. And if you don't love, you can't know God because God is love. Actually, in this letter, in the second chapter, John would say this, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word you've heard. What was the old commandment? Remember when they came to Jesus and said, what's the important thing? What is the most? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he said, and the second's just as important. Love your neighbors, yourself. Jesus John says, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm telling you what you've known since you knew him. And the day you met him, you knew what love is. And because that day started, at some point in time for you, whether you're Mary or Joseph or Andrew or Bartholomew or whoever you are, if you claim that you know Jesus, the marker is going to be how you live and how you love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we should love each other. You know, Jesus said in the other gospel, in Matthew's gospel, these words, I didn't come to call righteous people to repentance. I came to call sinners. The physician doesn't heal people who are well. He heals the sick. Now, remember who's writing this, Matthew the most hated occupation of the day, tax collector. And he is saying, we need to be healed. Jesus called me and I followed him. Remember that lady taken in adultery? And they all wanted to throw stones at her and Jesus just gets down on the ground and writes, what is it that he's saying? Well, he comes out and says it this way, woman, where are your accusers? And they're gone. And he says, I don't condemn you either. I love you. So go and sin No more. And I'll end with this thought on this Christmas morning. If you say, I love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. That's pretty strong, isn't it? That's what John says. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he can see, cannot love God, whom he's never seen. I was reading an article this week. I was sharing a little bit of it with Bob this morning. And I was going to share a little bit of it with you. Except, There's my phone. It specifically was written for pastors. So keep that in mind. But he says this. Certitude can be an incubator for cruelty. Perceived infallibility can lead to brutality. Let me translate that for you. If you think you're always right, that'll come out. You see, w- we are always going to have things right. That's why we walk by faith. We are always going to know for sure. And any time that we think we know for sure is when we run the risk of being really the cruelest, probably most dismissive and rude people there are. I'll tell you a quick story. When you hear the word John Calvin, you probably think Protestant Reformation, Right? think one of the church fathers, right? Well, there was a guy alive at the time that John Calvin was leading uh, the Protestant Reformation, at least getting it, helping get it started, and his name was Michael Servetus. He had several names that sounded like that, and I'm probably messing that one up. But anyway, he, he, he decided this guy, he, uh, amongst other things, he, he, he found out how our circulation system and our body works, but he was also a, a pretty good theologian. And he decided that he wasn't going to buy into the Reformation's understanding of the Trinity. Something that we accept pretty plainly today. He said, I'm not buying that. So he kind of offended John Calvin in that. But but then he went a little bit further and he said, I'm also not going to buy into the Catholic Church's understanding of Christ. Their Christology isn't going to fit into my worldview." At that point, he literally put himself in between a rock and a hard place because now he's got the Catholic Church on one hand unhappy with him and the Reformers on the other hand unhappy with him and he decided that the safest place to run was to the Reformers and he goes to Geneva where where they were, to the part of Geneva where they were and John Calvin had him burn at the stake. (laughs) Isn't that a great story? I tell that to you today for this reason. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. If you can't love the ones that you can see, how can you ever love him who you've not seen? Church, on this Christmas Sunday morning, if Christ is born in you, whether it was today or twenty years ago, that relationship should be evident in how we live. Should be evident in how we live. Jesus is born. Amen. Eric, we're going to sing. I don't know what it is, but.